part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that will no longer hide its disdain for the process. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, Handy Red Devil. Still alive over there? I am. I'm. There's some bad song out there about being still alive but barely breathing, and I am the epitome of that right now. Is that Duncan Sheik you just referenced? Wow. Good. Probably so. I trust your music taste more than mine and definitely your recall, so we'll go with that. I don't know why I remember that. That's stupid, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's who you just quoted there. Yes, alive, still breathing. Things are weird right now, man, um, in the world, obviously, and in Michigan especially. So I, it's it's very strange to get hyped up for these podcasts because like, all right, Michigan basketball, and then we, we discuss that uh, that other thing. That, that other sport, and we're not talking about hockey, which is also a, a point of happiness and pride right now. No, we're talking about the one that writes the checks for the school, apparently, and is the bane of our existence in some ways. But hey, to be optimistic, it's still like the 30th worst thing to happen this year. Exactly. 30th, 35th, we maintain that. But let's start out on a high note, as we always do on Out of the Blue, because we're optimists at the end of the day. Uh, Michigan basketball off to a 5-0 and start as we record tonight on a Wednesday night. Wanted to wait till after this Toledo game. It was supposed to be NC State. Uh, Toledo scheduled rather impressively last minute. Able to get a game in and a game that Michigan came out and played really, really well. In, um, right on the heels of their best game of the season against UCF. Another victory. They come out and they handle University of Toledo. Uh, 91 to 71. This one was never really a contest. Um, let's talk about the UCF game real quick, though. Um, Anthony, Chris, and Luke, they already went into it. So if you want to hear a more detailed breakdown of that game, uh, you can go back and listen to that podcast. Yes, uh, they did a great job covering all the finer, minute details. But just from like a big picture perspective, it was, you know, a little tightly contested at first. And then Michigan just pulled away and put it on him and it was great and as we'll get into now it felt like a good stepping stone for the performance we saw this evening yes and at one point they were down 12 I managed to get a bet in at that point for Michigan to win and boy did they win so thank you Michigan for making me a, a crisp $50 there thank you <laughs> one of the three positives of 2020 so far so that's lovely but yeah, Michigan um, did start out a little slow in this game, and then once they started to get their stroke, this is a, a masterful offensive team, a really dangerous team offensively, and the defense is coming along. So against UCF, you once again see the bench, and uh, I don't want to get too much into this, like I said, but let's just talk about the bench in that game. Shonde Brown comes off the bench, and this dude might be my favorite player on the team. He's an absolute flamethrower, 18 points off the bench, on four for six, three-point shooting. You get Terrence Williams, the second, the freshman comes in, and in 14 minutes gives you 10 points, six rebounds, very effective. Defensively, I, I like what I see. And then uh, the man of the hour, Hunter Dickinson, coming off the bench with another 14-7 and seven game with, uh, with an assist and a block in there. This dude, this dude Hunter Dickinson, is looking like one of the best freshmen in the country in a year where there's a lot of good freshmen. Dude, 100%. That triumvirate off the bench is outstanding. I love all of them. Terrence Williams is the ultimate, hey, you're not playing that hard. He's going to come in and play hard for you. He's just going to come in and be scrappy. And Hunter Dickinson, we've charped on him enough. He is just incredible. I can't wait to watch him go up against the test that will be Lucas Garza eventually. And Shonda Brown, man, you say it best, dude. A, a flamethrower off the bench. Just comes, like I said, 7-12 shooting, very efficient, lights it up. Does his job and gets out. 20, 18 points in 20 minutes is nothing to scoff at. No, certainly not. Hunter Dickinson didn't miss a shot in this game. You want to talk about efficient. 24 minutes, 6 for 6. Missed, made both of his free throws. And this bench unit's not really a bench unit. It's really a bunch of starters when you throw in Brandon Johns as well. And uh, the guard rotation is definitely, um, you know, a little bit more thin. Jace Howard and Zeb Jackson still figuring it out. But Shonda Brown comes in and gives give you great minutes at the one or the two. I'm, I'm just, I'm all aboard this team. Maybe it's out of necessity because I have to be, but I just love the way they're constructed. Instant energy with Brandon Johns Jr. too. Just the, the bench unit, sometimes more exciting than the, the first team with uh, Wagner and Liver struggling a little bit, at least up to the UCF game. We'll get to the UT game shortly. 
yeah, Wagner is starting to get back in his rhythm a little bit, four of six in this one. But Livers especially struggled. And last season when our you know, our key players would struggle at the top, our bench couldn't come in and provide this kind of this level of a boost. But now it's like, okay, you're struggling. Well, we have five players that can step up. And Mike Smith, you haven't seen what Mike Smith can do yet. He is really playing into what um, the defense is giving him and the fact that he's surrounded by talent. We're at Columbia. He was the only guy. So I think he's kind of getting a feel for being on a team with talent. But there's going to be a game where Mike Smith goes off. This was like a 24-point-per-game score at Columbia. This Mike dude Smith, he, he's a kid's a bucket. Like we're, we're gonna, a, There's going to be a big Mike Smith game coming where he, where he pushes 30 points. I guarantee that. Absolutely. Anything else on this UCF game? We'll move on to Toledo. No, great stepping stone game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, before we get into that, want to uh, touch base on our new sponsor, Homefield, out of Indianapolis, a place that was um, chimed that Michigan may never see again. But <laughs> props to our, our, our guys from Homefield because they're putting out a great product. You can scroll through online, choose some vintage looks, go a little old school, a little new school. I went old school because I am old, but they uh, they've really got a great selection there. And uh, launching the, the Michigan line, or it launched on uh, November 7th, and uh, I, I love it right now. So go ahead and, uh, and place your order. If you put it in tonight, you can get it by Christmas. 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, so as we record this on a Wednesday night, Michigan just wrapped up with that, I guess you could call it not a makeup game. It was kind of a replacement game for NC State. Um, which would have been the Big Ten ACC tournament, which would have been great. Michigan still unranked, could have used that game against NC State, but you pick up a quality MAC opponent, number one team in the MAC with Toledo, and uh, and they're a quality team. And Michigan played probably once again their best game. They absolutely did. And this Toledo team, I believe, was the highest ranked basketball team according to Ken Palm in the MAC. So a yeah. well coached, solid team, probably going to be a conference champion in the NCAA tournament. And Michigan really dominated buzzer to buzzer. Yeah, this one was never really in doubt. Um, I didn't get home until uh, close to the half, so I didn't see the first couple minutes there. But it, it looked like wire-to-wire domination. If you look at the box score, it was all over the place. And uh, you, you saw Franz Wagner and Isaiah Livers really bounce back. Livers, when he's hitting from three points, and you're getting that from him and Wagner, I mean, which you kind of expect. Those are your two guys. So to see them step up and know that we can count on them going forward, I do not understand how this Michigan team is not ranked right now. Tennessee just played their first game, and they're ranked like ninth. Like we're 5-0. and I get it. We struggled against Oakland. I said that would be a tough contest. And even though Oakland's off to a rough start, I think it was just that game that's keeping us out of the rankings. We should be in there now in a loaded Big Ten. But, I mean, this this Michigan team, especially offensively, is as good as anyone in the country. I still haven't seen a couple teams. I haven't seen Gonzaga yet, but I've, I've watched quite a bit of the top 25, and I'm sorry, this Michigan team offensively, there's really no one else. I mean, there are other offensive teams that can then hang with them, but there's nobody that I, I look at and I'm scared of. No, not at all. As far as scoring goes, Michigan can score with anybody. In this game, they shot 57.6% from the field and 56.3% from the three. Like, That's this was an absolute clinic and to our point before about anybody can take over Terrence Williams had zero points Mike Smith only had seven but then again our guy Hunter Dickinson with 18 Wagner with 14 Livers with 16 Davis had a a decent game with 12 and 12 minutes Eli Brooks with 12 like the scoring is just so balanced there doesn't need to be one person taking over and there's so many rotational pieces it would take four guys to have really bad nights for this Michigan team to really fall off the map yeah, absolutely. And uh, look at look at my man, Sean Day Brown, just comes in and goes a cool four for four from the field, nine points. I mean, he's an absolute bucket right now as well. He's going to have games like that game. Uh, I think it was Oakland where he was one for 10 and we we kind of, you know, gave him a little ribbing. But I knew like this is the dude. He's Dion Waiters. He's Kemba Walker, cardiac Kemba like this dude can absolutely light it up. Needs to grow a little bit defensively. And in, in fact, the whole team could use um, you know to grow defensively and I know Juwan Howard and Sadie Washington they're pushing that they're definitely defensive minded guys in fact post game that was the first thing Juwan Howard said is you know we we gotta improve defensively um, but he liked the effort defensively you have a few guys individually that are strong defenders but team defense has, has got some improvements if you're looking to nitpick but that's all it is is nitpicking once again Hunter Dickinson eight for 11 seven boards 
18 points off the bench with a steal and four blocks. Dude, the kid is an absolute baller, and I don't know how we haven't talked about it yet. My favorite thing about this team is the new tradition of getting extra work in after the game. Yeah, just a bunch of dudes that want to work, that want to get better. A lot of young guys playing prominent roles. And, I mean, Austin Davis was shaken up in this one, so you hope that he can go. He actually had his best game of the season with uh, 12 points, three rebounds, steal as well. So quality minutes from Austin Davis. But you really like to be able to do that one-two punch with him and Dickinson. That's really been working, especially the last few games. Yeah, man. The more, uh, seeing Davis start to progress and other players catch up to the, the role players we've seen already break out and some of the stars go up and down can't help but make you feel even more optimistic than we already are. Like, 91 points? I don't care who you're playing. That's solid in college basketball. That is really solid, and I'm just so excited to see this team get into Big Ten play because this is the most ranked teams I can remember being in the Big Ten. I mean, you've got Rutgers that's that's ranked. Wisconsin's ranked. Ohio State is ranked. Iowa's top five. Iowa's number three. Illinois just beat Duke. They're going to go up. So Michigan State's right up there. I mean – this is a loaded, loaded Big Ten schedule. I mean, you're not getting through this unscathed. You'll be the number one team in the country if you do that. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm very excited to get into Big Ten play. Yeah, I think the Big Ten, as of this afternoon, was 6-1 and one in the Big Ten ACC showdown. Pretty standard for the last couple of years. The Big Ten's really been owning it. And still don't really get their props as the best league overall, top to bottom, in basketball. They're definitely in contention. For me, it's the Big Ten or the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, well, the Big 12, yeah, you got Kansas, you got Oklahoma State with Cade Cunningham this year, you got, got WVU, um, OK State's good, like, that That conference is sneaky. Yeah, yeah, it's sneaky, but I mean, you also got, um, you know, ACC and the Big East would be your other contenders, but right now, it's this year, it's, it's really looking like the Big 10. I mean, you got freaking Rutgers looks like a problem. <laughs> It looked like a problem in football, too. Yeah, took us to triple overtime. So Rutgers on the come up. Their school only has like 10,000 students. Greg Schiano coaching basketball now, too. Apparently. I don't know what's going on. But, yeah, this was a great win for Michigan. And, I mean, you've got to really feel good about this team's ceiling. Um, I'm starting to feel good about their floor because, like you said, you could have three guys off. You could have Livers and Wagner off, both having an off night and still be okay. That's not really something you could say before. That's not something that's widespread in college basketball. No, your two best players can play completely terrible, and you still win a game. That's in of itself is good, but you can still win a game by a large amount. That's even better. Yeah, yeah, and I can't wait to see Dickinson go up against some of these other top centers because he's looking like one of the best in the country. Yeah, um, yeah you've got Garza for Iowa that he's going to see, and the dude from uh, the really athletic dude from Illinois. Unfortunately, I believe his last name is Cockburn, but he's a uh, he's a pretty solid center, very athletic. Uh, Michigan State's got some depth there at center, so he's going to get challenged as well. But right now, looks like I, actually I wanted to ask you that, so so we'll transition to that. Who's the best player on this team right now? As of right now, just from how they've played, yeah, Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, you almost have to say Dickinson, right? He's coming in. He's so efficient. They're running the offense through him a lot of the times, and I mean, he's cleaning things up on the offensive glass, getting defensive boards for you. He seems to be an above-average passer for a big man defense. Still has a ways to go, but four blocks in this one. He, he's improving defensively. He moves quick enough that he could be an effective defender. Right now, he does look like the best player on the team. It's probably still Livers, but, man, Dickinson's making a case. Yeah, I never thought I'd be saying that at the beginning of the season. I thought You thought it would be Wagner. I thought it would be Livers. I love that we're both in agreement right now that it's Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> that we're both wrong. I mean, early on, I thought it would be Josh Christopher, but we won't talk about that. At the... Yeah, he's balling out for Arizona State. Let's, let's talk about happy things. Let's talk about <laughs> yeah, so uh, so Michigan sits at 5-0, and um, really, really dominant performance. Um, best player right now looks like Hunter Dickinson. Who's your favorite player? Sean Day Brown. I love it. You and I are in agreement. I won't say he's my favorite because he's not one of the beeline holdovers. I've probably got to go Wagner or, um, or Livers. But, man, my favorite to watch is Sean Day Brown, the way he plays the game. Absolute joy. Like, he's having so much fun out there. Like, he's singing, and he's hyping up his teammates after he's just draining threes. Can just get hot at any moment. I agree. I'm Dude, with he, you. He's just the perfect bench guy. Like, he brings in that 
immediate scoring with the second team. He brings energy during lulls in the game with all the timeouts in college basketball. He's just an instant spark plug off the bench in so many different ways. I don't know if it was designed like this or if it's just the way the, the roster kind of shaked out, but the way that they are bringing in that second unit and the way that second unit can energize you with Terrence Williams, Shonda Brown, and Dickinson, like if your first unit is not getting it done, you have no problem bringing some instant energy with those three guys. And it's a totally different team with those three guys in there. Not that your first team is, is in a bunch of scrubs either. If this was orchestrated deliberately to be like that, to your point, that's just masterful coaching by Jawan Howard and recruiting. Yeah, no, I mean, Jawan Howard, man, I just love everything that guy that guy does. All right, who do you think is going to be the leading scorer at the end of the year? Because you got some candidates. Shonday Brown, Hunter Dickinson, and Livers certainly seem to be your top three candidates right now. But with this team, it could easily change. That's a great question because it's so balanced. It's so spread out. It's so up and down at times. Uh, I'm going to go with Hunter Dickinson. I like his consistency right now throughout the season. I think it's going to continue even when it gets into the tougher conference play. But his position kind of le- like lends its way to a little more consistency. He doesn't have to rely too much on the outside. So I'm going to go with Dickinson. I think you're right. And he's going to get more minutes here if Austin Davis misses extended time. We'll see how much time he, he did walk off or back onto the court after that lower leg or maybe ankle injury. And he was hobbling, but walking under his own weight. So hopefully he doesn't miss extended time. But Dickinson seems like he's a 15 and 7 a night kind of guy consistently. Yeah, just up and down. It's like the kid is, what, 18 years old? Yeah, he's 18 years old. He's out there. And, like, sometimes you'll see him, like, acting, like, just doing something on the bench. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a kid. (laughs) Seven foot. (laughs) The kid was at – his prom was canceled six months ago, and he was devastated. It's obscene that people are that big at that age, but yeah, he's one of them, and we got one of them on our team, so I'm I'm all about it. Uh, sixth man of the year, Shonda Brown. See, but that's the thing. Dickinson is currently coming yeah. off the bench. But I think I think Dickinson is going to be a starter sooner than later. I think you're right. I think that eventually he will be. I like the way they do it. Davis comes in, gets some minutes, and then Dickinson comes in. You keep both guys fresh, and you can mix it up. But at some point, you're going to have to start under Dickinson. Yeah, I think the Austin Davis injury is just going to be one of those things that is a there's a silver lining with it that it's like oh he's you know, sad he's injured he's I hope he's back soon, but Dickinson's going to get more playing time and that's what's best for the team right now. Probably, but they do, they do not have a lot of depth at center at no, all. No, and you're going to have to start getting weird with it playing Terrence Williams at the five or Brandon Johns at the five or something. But it's doable. I mean, especially with in modern basketball being positionally versatile. It's a little different in college because most everyone we're going to play has a traditional center, especially Iowa with that beast, Luke Garza. But, I mean, yeah, you have some guys that can switch, that have positional versatility. So going the way more of the NBA. I'd love to see Jawan Howard just space out Garza and make him guard 30 feet from the basket. I would love it. I mean, the dude the dude has an incredible three-point percentage, too. Yeah, let's, let's spread him out. Let's see how well you can do outside. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be a daunting Big Ten slate. All right, what is the strength of this team? Uh, Offensive scoring depth, the way it can be balanced out. We've touched on this over and over again, and that's for good reason, that you don't need to rely on one player or even two players to show up every night. It can be balanced. You can take turns. You can have off nights. And throughout the Big Ten slate, how grueling it's going to be, that is going to be one of the biggest things. And I would say the biggest weakness is the exact opposite of that. It is team defense which that needs to come up if they're going to be able to run through this gauntlet, you know, as unscathed as possible, although they're going to take losses. It's just going to happen with the schedule. But the offensive strength, the strength is the offensive depth and the scoring depth and the weakness is team defense. Uh, I totally agree with you with team strength. I'm not even going to add any more. That was perfect. I will say, though, that I think it's maybe individual on-ball defense. I think that the team defense is very well coached, and you'll see them all moving around, and they're rarely out of position. Just some of the guys, like individually, um, I don't think Mike Smith and Sean Day Brown are necessarily Xavier Simpson level bulldog defenders. Uh, I need to see a little bit more. Mike Smith, he just kind of blends in out there. He's just so smooth. He runs the offense very well. Um, but defensively, I think him, Sean Day Brown individually, 
um, got a little bit of a ways to go. Dickinson played great defensively in this one, but he, he could improve a little bit. Franz Wagner and Livers, I think, are solid there. You're good there. Eli Brooks looks pretty solid as well. So um, just a couple individual cogs, but team-wise, I think they're getting better and they're, they're going to improve the more they play together. In all fairness to Mike Smith, he was not recruited and did not stand out at Columbia to play defense. <laughs> no, certainly not. I mean, he's not very big. He's like 5'10", in my size. You, draw, you have like a 27-point game here in the next month. It's okay. Take a few plays off, son. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he doesn't. like. He's smooth. I, I like Mike Smith a lot, so I'm, I'm a fan. All right, final question about this basketball team with what we know now. What is their ceiling in the NCAA tournament? That's a tough question because it's a very strange year with all the ups and downs. A lot of good teams. The amount of really good freshmen is going to be a crazy NBA draft into that sort of thing very i would say i would be absolutely ecstatic if this team made the elite eight i was gonna say that's probably ceiling as well i mean you never know in the ncaa tournament though, because we put that ceiling on some of these other teams under beeline and things can get weird in the tournament you get one jordan pool shot over houston and who knows how far you can go into the thing so yeah it seems like just based on what i've seen and some of the other talent that i've watched like i said i still need to see Gonzaga I still haven't seen Baylor play so I, I need to see what else is out there but I would say Elite Eight yeah is, is very much a possibility which is crazy because they're still not ranked but I would say more likely this is probably a Sweet 16 team if everyone stays healthy yeah absolutely we're saying you know Elite Eight is they get to the second weekend and they lose the second game of it on a Sunday or a Monday the final four seems like a hell of a stretch especially with a lot of like the question marks that remain and how many good teams and depth there are out there but the elite eight seems like a really good lofty goal for this team and i think they, the second weekend the sweet 16 should be like this is where we need to be we are this good no matter what yeah and we'll know a lot more come big 10 play and the big 10 tournament is going to be a gauntlet if you win that i mean i'm going to blow all the expectations out of the water i'm going to say this is the national championship team oh but- yeah I mean, if you run through the, the Big Ten tournament, but there's some absolute – you got Ron Harper Juniors at Rutgers was the player I was trying to think of. He lights it up as well. Um, so there's some great players. Um, more, Big Ten doesn't have as many, like, first-round guys, first-round talents. I mean, those guys are mostly at Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Oklahoma State. Stanford's got a guy. But there's just a lot of really quality teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, just a, like you said, a lot of depth. I mean, Ohio State's ranked. Michigan will be ranked. Michigan State is, you know, obviously good with Izzo and company as always. I let's just say this on the record: such a tragic story last year. I'm so glad Cassius Winston's not at Michigan State anymore. <laughs> yes, I like Cassius Winston. I don't hate the Michigan State basketball team nearly as much as I hate their football team. True facts, but it's just cool. like I'm Cassius Winston, especially is just one guy that has tortured us forever. I'm, like, I'm glad you're gone. Thank you for leaving. Yeah, he was a problem against Michigan, and I don't know. I like how we match up against Michigan State. Can't wait for that one. So we'll be leaning in to basketball. So hopefully our fan base can lean with us as we get through these tumultuous times with what we need to talk about after the break. <laughs> let's let's just, yeah, let's, before we get positive, let's go right back into the mud, baby. Yeah, <laughs> well, we start positive. Maybe next time we'll start negative and positive. Yeah, but, we're, you know, we're a work in progress here. We are a work in progress. We're trying to deal with this wacky year the same as you guys. It's pure nonsense out there. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, there is a lot to talk about, even though there hasn't been a football game. And there won't be one this weekend. There's still quite a bit to talk about. So we're going to get into football and the madness that is this extension right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P 
dot com slash block M. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are switching focus to football. Do we really want to do that, or do we want to talk about the best Sam Rockwell and Hugh Jackman movies? You know what I want to do, but we have to do this. Yeah, we got to do it. All right, let's dig deep. This is why I drink right here is because of this. All right, so here's where we sit with the Michigan football program. I'm sure you all know, and you're probably a lot like me, where for a while there you were refreshing Twitter every 10 minutes trying to see if Maryland would be played, if Jim Harbaugh would get an extension, what's going on with the Ohio State game. But where we stand right now is uh, we don't really stand anywhere. There's 45 cases, as last reported, within the program. Maryland obviously didn't happen, and Ohio State is also not happening. So for the first time since, like, 1927, Michigan and Ohio State will not play the game, if you can even call it that one of the most storied rivalries in all of sports, is off this year, and we avoid a 65-point loss, but at the same time, I don't know. How do you feel about all this? I, I'm I'm let down. I really wanted this game to happen just from a fan standpoint, just from trying to be an optimist. Like At least I have football season. I would rather watch Michigan lose games and not have Michigan football at all. It's the you know, rather have loved and lost than never to have loved at all kind of sentiment but losing the game sucks we are spared the embarrassment of getting destroyed by this team but at least when you play the game you always have a chance to win but when you don't play the game you always lose yeah there's zero percent chance we win this one there was probably a 0.09 percent chance we won if we played and look this will never it will never be proven jim harbaugh i don't care if he's on his deathbed will never admit it but there has has to have been a moment at some point where he breathed a, a bit of a sigh of relief about not this game not being played. Like I said, you'll never hear about it. It's a thought that will never make it out. Like that that time I thought about Henry Cavill. We're not going to talk about <laughs> it, but I guarantee that happened because they were going to get boat raced in this game. It was going to be bad. It was definitely a sense of relief came over him, and honestly, not playing this game lends well for him keeping his job and being extended at Michigan. Oh boy! So now we got to get into that and. I, I mean, it honestly, it's so frustrating that I don't really want to talk about it. And um, Anthony had a great reaction pod out when they, they kind of came out with the, the terms that they were proposing for this contract extension. And I have a ton of problems with it. And the timing, number one, is awful. And the fact that you might extend him after because he escapes going 0-6 against Ohio State, which he would have been. And in my mind, he is 0-6 against Ohio State. The fact that didn't play this year doesn't change the fact that this team could not compete with an Ohio state team that's locked loaded and ready for a playoff run. It's and, and, and now we're waiting till the end of the season, which by the way is after national signing day. And you've got two commit Xavier worthy and now Brandon Jennings, the linebacker that are starting to look elsewhere. I think that this maybe is one of the most poorly handled. It's it shades of what was going on with Brady Hoke, with the injury to Shane Morris and the, you know, selling two tickets under the bottle cap of a Sprite or whatever was going on in that last year. To me, this is just like, it's absolute lunacy from the top down. It's been really bad and very embarrassing. And obviously they're not helped by the 2020 situation with the condensed season and the season starting late and everything else going on at large. But this is awful. Like, how are you expecting recruits to come in and want to stay and have faith when nothing's for certain? Like, if we lose J.J. McCarthy, Jared, I'm going to rage. And I mean rage if we lose that recruit. Like, we have the number nine class as it stands right now, but it's going to take a hit if players start flipping. And like I said, signing day is coming up fast. So they need to make a decision and stop sitting on their hands. Yeah, and the fact that you came out and said, well, we're waiting until after signing day. What are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, either way, I mean, that's not good for these kids that are sitting there and like, all right, well, I mean, maybe he'll be the coach, or if he's not, you don't know who it's going to be. 
So at least if you got rid of him, you know, now and said he won't be returning, and then you made the move to say Matt Campbell has accepted a position at Michigan, all right, now you can start to try and convince these people to stay. I don't know. How are you going to convince them? Harbaugh must be saying in private, I'm, I'm staying. That's got to be what he's saying. But is that the case? There was a report that came out from John Bacon, who's one of the most trusted Michigan sources. If he says it, it's probably pretty close to true that there was a contract extension offer made that was heavily incentive laden. It was a reduction in base pay and it still allowed him money to hire a bunch of assistants. Now that to me sounds like some wishful thinking type of stuff. And then Ward Manuel came out and said, I don't know how these things get started, but if you were going to offer him an extension, that seems like the kind of extension you would have to offer, right? I agree. That is the extension you have to offer. And I can offer my opinion. What I think is going to happen is I think he's going to be extended. And I think if there's going to make a change, they would announce it before the last game, say, hey, we know this is going to be it for Coach Harbaugh. We're going to move on. But no, I think he's going to come back. It's going to be a contract just like this. And Ward Manuel is just trying to play coy with the media and say, I, I don't know what's going on. It's like, yeah, you do. You know what's happening. You have a plan. You've had discussions. You're not just going to wait till the week of the Ohio State game when you know the game's canceled. It's like, well, you know, we'll talk about it later. No, these things don't just you know start now. Like it's been going on throughout, and more than likely, Harbaugh's going to be extended two or three years. That's going to be the stipulations, and he'll have a whole new staff. I, I think you're right. And I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier with the Ohio State being canceled, helping him, because it would be so very difficult to come in and offer him that extension after a 65-10 beatdown to go 0-6 against Ohio State. Like, how do you how do you feel good about that? And then surely a bowl game loss coming, we'd probably lose the play-in game. I mean, this is the worst Michigan team in a while. I mean, plenty of talent on there, but just all over the map as far as preparedness and, you know, execution. So, yeah, he dodges a bullet, may get extended because of it. And you and I talked the other night about the worst-case possible scenario, and we may be trending towards that. Um, next weekend, this coming weekend, Matt Campbell will take Iowa State to the Big 12 championship against Oklahoma. He could win that. Now, the worst-case scenario won't happen because we won't lose by 45 or 65 to Ohio State. But that would have been technically the worst-case scenario. But Matt Campbell could win the Big 12 championship. We could end the season with two wins, maybe never play another game. Harbaugh gets extended. Matt Campbell goes to Texas or something. And then we have another bad year next year. And then you're in the same situation, except now you got to pay him a buyout for the, for the next two years instead of the next one year. Yeah, it's really just kicking the can down the road. And even worse than that is what if, like, James Franklin leaves Penn State, Matt Campbell goes there, and you have to face him every season and watch oh. him turn around a program and watch as Michigan continues to struggle. Dude, it's <laughs> – I mean, yeah, that I guess that would be worst-case scenario. You and I talked a little bit ago uh, – offline about it though james franklin i don't understand why people are talking about him for the texas job his crowning achievement was a blocked punt that miraculously got returned against ohio state and then somehow beating a usc team the best usc team under a really bad coach and clay helton like not impressed and i know they beat us this year they beat us last year I get all that, but Michigan is not a very good program right now either. So I wouldn't want to measure against us at the moment. Yeah, last season they're saved by a drop pass, and this season it's it was still a close game, and Michigan was as bad as we've seen them all year with a quarterback with one arm. Yeah, I mean, Cade McNamara, God bless him, was trying to gut it out, but you know we were seconds away from Dan Valari in that one, and you know the injuries and. You know, there's some some guys on on our site that really want to you know just say, oh, this year doesn't matter. And I, I vehemently disagree with that um, because you have to weigh it alongside of the other performances and what we've seen at the end of other seasons and just the trends that we see. I get it. It's a rough year. And what's happening in Minnesota and Penn State is probably, you know, similar to what's happening to us. Um, it's tough to get buy in. You got guys opting out. It's weird. No fans in the stand. Less time to practice. So you get seasons where Penn State probably would not go one and six or whatever they are in a normal season this year you know they had more talent than that but you can't just put it all on this be a lot of other team every other team's dealing with this except down in florida where they don't really care and they're just you know out on the beaches party and going to steely dan concerts hey i, I we i would love the state of michigan to be going to steely dan concerts with fitment fans in the stands and more victories I, at this point give me a steely dan concert and, and covid because yeah. <laughs> 
don't want to have to. I don't know what want to have to talk about this Michigan football team anymore and where we're at. It's mismanaged to the level that I think you know it should be almost Ward Manual should come under fire for this. I think if this extension doesn't pan out and Harbaugh doesn't turn things, things don't turn around. He's done. I think Ward Manual ha- his job's on the line because this was botched. This yep. was botched. If yeah, especially if the worst case scenario like we see. So so let's say he does get extended, which seems to be if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably somewhere in the 70-30-60-40 to the extension rather than the mutual parting of ways. How do you feel about those percentages that I made I, up? I I would I think it's 70-30 retention to the parting of ways for sure. If a question for you, if you reward manual when if would you have offered Harbaugh an extension earlier? Because personally, if it were me, I might have offered one. I was in his position in the middle of the revenge tour in 2018. You offer it in the middle, and Anthony Broom already touched on this, so kind of stealing his his thunder here. Uh, yes, it, had you have offered it then, that's obviously the best time you offer it then. Be like, this is our dude. We're rolling with him, and I kind of don't know why you didn't. I mean, look at what they did with PJ Fleck. That yeah. dude's under contract until the the sun burns out. <laughs> Franklin's there for another like five years you can't buy him out like it's an unreasonable amount of money to buy James Franklin out but Jim Harbaugh honestly had earned an extension more than either of the well PJ Flex season last year I get that Um, especially Minnesota is not Michigan but 2018 would have been the time or even last year last year and we were talking about this a little bit was we were still on board even on most people in Mays and Brew even last year after getting destroyed by Wisconsin and losing to Penn State, there was not a lot of Harbaugh should be fired. There was kind of like, eh, you know, let's see, this is this is your year. You got to really rebound. But this is like this is the first year people are openly saying enough is enough. So you could have even gotten away with it last year after Penn State after a loss. Yeah, this, I, I, that would have been a better time. Yeah, this is all the alumni have turned sour. Everyone has turned at this point because this season was such a disappointment on so many levels, and it all stemmed from the top down. I don't understand why Ward Manuel sat down just idly and was like, oh, I'll sit back here and count this money like I'm Scrooge McDuck while Harbaugh's in – he was in his fourth season in 18, has this team rolling on high cylinders, blowing out ranked opponents. It doesn't extend him. Just like, oh, we're okay. We got a couple more years of this. My thought process is probably – and this actually, if, if it's the case, would make some sense – that he hadn't seen enough for the extension to where he was like, hey, let's see how that second to last year goes, where you should have, you know, quite a few seniors in position. It did not end up that way. We did a podcast a few weeks ago about the the losses from that 2017 class. It's bad. I think you got like two guys from the 2017 class that are contributing. But it's just, you should have had some foresight into that. And yes, if you were waiting to see what happened this year, and then you see the COVID thing coming around the corner, you also need to have some foresight for that. Like, oh, we might not get a season. I should extend Jim Harbaugh now because you've got to consider the worst case scenario. What if we go two and four with a 65 point loss to Ohio State? Then what do we do? It certainly isn't in the drawing board to deal with an extension two days after signing day. That's preposterous. I don't know how it came down to this, how it just came down to the wire. Like, oh, we'll, we'll see what we can do then. He hasn't proven himself yet. How's he proven himself since? Like, I don't, I, I get so sick and tired of the excuses, like you pointed out about COVID. Like, everybody was dealing with them. Every team was. And not every team was two and four. Not every team had an embarrassing loss to Michigan State this season. Look what Indiana's doing, man. I mean, they have less talent on the roster, and they're able to, they're having a great season under Tom Allen. He's able to keep them together. I mean, look what Northwestern's doing. I mean, look at uh, – I mean, let, let's pick a team from a different conference that's kind of having a surprising season. Oklahoma State. I don't know. Iowa State. Iowa. Oh, yeah. I don't know how I didn't think of that. How would we forget about them? Matt Campbell and Iowa State? Top 10 Iowa State going into the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, everyone's – I mean, the, the playing field was leveled to a degree – Nobody really has a huge leg up in this thing. I guess if you play down in the South where they don't really care about COVID, you know, you might have a little bit of a leg up because, you know, you maybe uh, you forgive that the kid has a runny nose and maybe look, look sideways. At a, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's a real thing. I have no credentials to say so. But we can't <laughs> care a little less about it. 
We're just saying, if the kids sniffle a little bit in the South, it's okay. Get back out there. I'm pulling a Herb Street, just making things up, yeah, speculating wildly. <laughs> that all oh, that Herb Street thing did so much damage because the narrative all week now surrounding this game being canceled is all Michigan didn't want to play them. Yes, exactly. And I wanted to get to that next. Glad you brought it up. And I don't, I don't buy that for a second. I mean, you might buy it at like the fan level and maybe even at the AD level, but on a player level, these kids are, these are, these, these kids want to go out and fight and play. And like, you think Carlo Kemp doesn't want to go play this game? Are you kidding me? You think the seniors don't want to go play this game? I mean, you think Caden McNamara doesn't want a shot at Ohio State? Although, sounds like he's one of the ones with COVID. Or I don't know if he's out because of that lingering injury. Either way, he wasn't going to play in this game, so it was going to be even worse. Yeah, it's be Dan Villari leading the scout team out there. Let's go get him, boys. <laughs> People were trying to hype that up on Twitter, and this is no disrespect to Dan Villari. He could end up being a great quarterback. But our third-string quarterback when we're already getting boat raced by Indiana and Wisconsin, like, Look, not even you and I, the kings of optimism in this game, are going are gonna to find a way to be all right with that. Dan Valori was our fourth-string quarterback at the beginning of August. Like, Yeah, yeah, down to the fourth string. Uh, do you think that there's maybe a strength and conditioning issue with the injury issues that happened this year, or is it just a bad luck year? It's an interesting thing that you brought that up, because I was thinking that, because Ben Herbert is a renowned strength and conditioning coach, but the one knock on him is lower body injuries. And I feel like, in this kind of shortened season, that could be a reason for some of them. Some of the, I mean, we've seen cramps constantly be an issue the last couple of years since he's come to town. So if we're talking about coaching changes this offseason, if Harbaugh is retained, I think that's one of them. Yeah, it, it's a tough one to say. That one, like, especially from the outsider, is the hardest thing to gauge. Like, I don't know what these kids are eating. I don't know what their regimen is. I can't tell based on the 60 minutes of football that they play what kind of shape they're in. It's impossible for me to gauge. It's much easier to figure out what's going on on the offensive line or the play calling. That sort of thing can be diagnosed by the, the layman if you kind of know what's going on. But it, it's tough to say with that. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it was really, really bad. It was abnormally bad with injuries this year. And maybe it's just the it's just the year from hell for Michigan. Like maybe that's what it is. Like all these bad things happen. I mean, the year from hell is kind of happening with Jim's brother John with Baltimore. They're still finding ways to win some games, but seven and five are not their expectations, and you have to deal with it. So maybe that's all it is for Michigan. Maybe there's a lot of things we don't know going on inside the program, and he can write the ship. But this is my optimism of being overwhelmingly happy because I've watched Michigan disappoint me in football in two weeks. So. Uh-huh. That's also going to play a factor because from the last time I saw them play, it seemed like the team was disinterested. Harbaugh had lost control of the team, the locker room, the culture, everything needed changed. And I don't think retention is going to do it. But counterpoint to that feeling is how much the recruits have been in on Harbaugh and company. Like, I can't wait to be in Michigan. We're going to do this. Let's change it. I want to play for Harbaugh. Yeah, a lot of them are saying it, except for Xavier Worthy and Brandon Jennings, two of your top four highest recruited recruited guys yep. that's, that's going to be huge especially on the defensive side of the ball so that's what i want to get into now uh, with our last couple minutes here is so it seems like there's an extension we're all just going to have to suck it up and deal with it unless you know we're all just very very wrong and reading misreading this whole thing um what 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 do you do to get this team in a position because if you come back and you extend him you got to win nine games minimum next year and you got to win your bowl game too like I'm, I think people are over this. What is it? One in five in bowl games? No, yeah. one in four. One in four in bowl yeah, games. Beat Florida in the first year in a blowout with uh, Dad Rudock, and that was it. And that was it. And they've lost every single bowl game. Three and three against Michigan State. You know what's going on against Ohio State. You're 500 against Notre Dame, which whatever. That's not a knock. Losing record against Penn State now. Losing record against Wisconsin now. Like what? 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 What are we hoping for? What are we hoping to see next year? What do you think? by extending him is all of a sudden going to magically improve. You need to have drastic changes to your staff, particularly on defense. So that's going to, that's going to take time. Offense needs a lot of work. You need quarterback grooming. You need a quarterback to step up. You need to keep that quarterback healthy. So you need to get like, you have so much to do in order to get to that nine, 10 win platform. I mean, eight, nine wins is kind of what we've all established is the Jim Harbaugh mean, but I don't even see him getting to that next year with how disheveled this defense is. I don't know how you fix it. 
but the changes have to be drastic. It can't be a Mark D'Antonio, let's shuffle the guys around. It can't be the previous Harbaugh, let's move a guy here, move a guy there. Bring in Josh Gaddis, that'll fix everything. Bring in this one person. No, there's going to be scorched earth cleaning house if Harbaugh's retained. I can guarantee that. If 10% of the staff is brought back, that's a high number. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and there needs to be probably culture changes too, and I don't even – begin to know what that looks like you were talking about the ed orgeron book maybe you just need to add a sunday machine in there you know? yeah just just some kind of thing shorten practices less meetings just different something to get the team going or more meetings i don't know what they're doing in there <laughs> fives in every locker i don't know like it, it's culture it's defense offensive consistency lack of quarterback development i mean how does this team next year get to forget 10 wins how do they get to eight wins I, I do. do you schedule for next year pulled up? Let's I'll pull, pull it up right now. Yeah, pull it up again, and I want to see what it would theoretically take for us next year in what would be because look at where the fan base is at right now. All the polls. I mean, you got guys Charles Woodson, Brian Greasy are over it this year. So next year, you need to have a pretty darn good year in order to get this fan base back on board. So yeah, let's hear next year's schedule. Here we go. Western Michigan home opener win. win. Washington Huskies home at Michigan. Ooh. Uh, as of right now, loss. Loss. Uh, Northern Illinois at home. Win. Rutgers at home. <sighs> I, say, I say win. I say win. I say win because we'll be better next year than we are this year. That that much I can say pretty confidently. Here's, right. your, here's your revenge tour back-to-back weeks. At Wisconsin, at Indiana. Loss. Graham Mertz will be in his second year. They're a team that's on the rise. And then uh, at Indiana next week win they're gonna lose a lot all right so that brings us to what we are what three five and is that four and two four and three yeah four and two with washington and uh wisconsin and indiana loss or wisconsin michigan state home i mean this would be the one where if he loses it you fire him on the spot three and four against michigan state when they're not particularly talented in the last couple years um i'll say win because we've won everyone away from home. and it okay. would be, No, actually, it's back-to-back years in, in Ann Arbor now, isn't it? It is, yeah. We're home it again. Is. It is. I'll say loss. Loss right there. So, all right. Uh, bye week at Nebraska. Win. Home for Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern doesn't seem to string it together back-to-back years. I'll say win. At Penn State. Loss. At Maryland. Who knows what they look like next year. Um I'll say I'll say win for the sake of keeping it interesting. That puts us at what three losses? That puts us at loss at Penn State, loss at Wisconsin, loss Washington, loss at Wisconsin, loss at Washington, and did you say loss at Michigan State? Oh yeah, four. So that's four, and then Ohio State, eight and four because I think we'll lose that one. All right, or sorry, seven and five then, right? Seven and five, eight and four being um, probably very much within reach. Uh, nine and three. I don't, I don't, I don't see nine and three on that schedule. Not with what I've seen so far. Like, unless you go get some transfers, a lot of transfers. <laughs> that's a very tough. When we're sitting here going, uh, for games like Rutgers, that's not a positive sign. No, I'm sorry. That's not a good sign. And even Maryland, like, I, I don't feel super confident about that. I wouldn't have felt super confident playing in this year. It's, yeah. <sighs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't see the benefit in extending him at this point. I don't see what you're hoping to get to when you already know the ceiling was reached in 2016. I don't know. It's just, I feel like Anthony had another great point. Shout out to Anthony for having so many great points recently. Glad we can, glad we can give you some clout here. I know. Well, we're also kind of repeating a lot of what he says, so I hate it. But because what else do you talk about at this point? We're all kind of. <laughs> be this the same way it just feels like michigan's kicking the can down the road like we're just delaying the inevitable it's going to sit a couple years and we're going to be in the same place with less talent less recruits and a more upset and pissed off team yeah and i mean the fan base if there are fans in the stands and you like you start out one and two or something but you wouldn't end with that so you start out two and two you're going to lose fan interest quickly with with people already starting off like i don't want to see this season with this guy and like everybody's hearing this all the players are hearing this in the age of twitter and social media like fans are not on board most of the media is not on board most of the alumni is not on board you got to really like sift 
through Michigan fans to find people that are like, yes, this is the way, Harbaugh. Like, they're very few and far between. Once Desmond Howard and Brian Greasy both turned on Jim Harbaugh, I knew it was over. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of how it was in 2014. Like, the alumni are huge at Michigan, one of the largest, most influential alumni bases anywhere. You know, they're right up there with anyone, if not the number one. So when they start to turn on you and, you know, maybe fans not being in the stands also helped it. Because if you won, say this was a normal year and you went 2-10 and in a normal year, how many fans do you think would be there at the Maryland game? You'd be fortunate to break 100,000. You'd be fortunate. Yeah, and if the game, you know, if we're going into Michigan-Ohio State next year and we're at seven wins and four losses or whatever it is, you better believe there's going to be a sea of red in the big house. Oh, my God. They, they, there was a, there's a sea of red every year. And if next year, if there are fans, there's going to be a ton, man. It's just, I hate it. I don't know how this is going to change anything. I don't get it either. Um, you should have either extended him in 2018 or at some point in 2019, or you should say right now, Jim Harbaugh will be moving on and let him take a job with the Bears. He played for the Bears. Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jets. Those, those are great jobs. You should go there. Yeah, absolutely. You were a fantastic NFL coach. Never went never went sub 500, and you just went two and four at Michigan. Dude, so, I mean, there was, there was early warning signs of this. Um, I don't want to get too much into this, but what we heard from San Francisco fans, and I heard a little bit about his role from Stanford. You didn't hear it as much there was that he's a guy that comes in and is a culture shifter, but wears out his welcome. I mean, look at how quickly things turned in San Francisco and how quickly they were ready to, to take a Super Bowl-appearing coach and kick him out of town immediately. Like, it seemed, at least. He had one bad season. They're like, yeah, yeah. He rubs people the wrong way, and he seems to just be kind of like a – he's like a gun for hire almost. He's like, uh, you know, the way Bill Pullman describes the aliens in Independence Day. They consume every natural resource and move on like the locust. Wow, I suddenly feel worse. Thank you. <laughs> that was actually way, way unnecessary. <laughs> Anytime I can quote Independence Day, I do. That's fair. Hopefully, hopefully you're giving the full speech in a few. If Matt Campbell's hired in January or before, will you do the whole president speech? I will do whatever speech you want. I will sit here on air and just beat my stomach to the little drummer boy rhythm for 45 minutes. Oh, man. That seems too good to be real, so I know it's going to be an extension <laughs> instead. I just know it's going to be an extension. Yeah, we'll probably be talking about it here soon. Uh, any other thoughts on this this weirdness? Uh, pray for recruiting because National Signing Day is coming up. Pray that we hold on to this class, and yeah, other than that, I don't know what to tell you to pray for. A vaccine. <laughs> Normalcy, life, good, winning, yeah, winning. Yeah, winning, winning, and better days ahead of us. But in the meantime, make sure that you're tuning into Maize and Brew for all of your Michigan basketball content. We're leaning into it, baby, and we've got a squad there. So um, tune into all of our podcasts. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for Maize and Brew. Follow us on Twitter at maizeandbrew.com. I am Jared. That is Andy. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, no matter how bad it seems, go get it.